0: Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Man, I'm just so excited to be here. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share from the word. And so today, we'll be in Jeremiah. So you guys can turn your Bibles there. Jeremiah 2. Can you guys hear me? Am I on? Yes. Okay. Oh, you you can hear me, hear me. I'll try to be more calm. Get the feng shui going in the room. All right, so Jeremiah 2. Um, We'll get into the passage here in a second, um, but I just want to start off with the first few words there. Um, You see it says, For my people have committed two evils. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let me turn there first. And I want to give some context for for the beginning of this before we get into it. Uh, The book of Jeremiah, by the prophet Jeremiah, right? And so when we get to verse 13, he's saying, for my people have committed two evils. So we got to understand who's he talking about, right? And and what's going on in the situation. As we get into the situation of Jeremiah's time, Israel is actually split into two kingdoms, right? The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Jeremiah is a prophet to the southern kingdom. Right? during this time, uh, they're actually in their last little bit before they get into, uh, taken into captivity, right? And so we can say that the people here are the people of Judah. Um, and, and that's where it starts. For my, for my people have committed two evils, right? And so when we get into this, we're going to learn about a few things. Um, but we're going to learn three things. Who is the fountain of living waters? How do we keep Jesus on the throne of our hearts? And where is the sufficiency of the believer? So I'll pray us in and we can get started, guys. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to serve my brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you for the families that are here, God. I thank you for your word. I pray that our hearts would be softened um, and ready to receive uh, the message of your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so as we start, we started with for my people, right? Have committed two evils, for my people. And so when we look at the history of uh, Judah, Um, I get a little confused because there's a lot of kings. I don't know if you guys knew this, but in the history of the kingdoms, there's a lot of kings that come and go. And some say that they've done evil on the side of the Lord. Others say that they've walked after the Lord, right? And there's a lot of kings, but there's actually more than two evils. This is something that tripped me up. I was like, Lord, why are you characterizing it with just two evils? I can count five, you know? I can count 10. There's a lot of evils here, right? Um, And it's because every evil has a root. You know, we we look at James one and we see that when lust like when lust is conceived, right, right. In, in Matthew seven, you see the same idea of the corrupt tree bringing forth evil fruit, right? Well, these trees, these sins, these evils, they all have a root cause. They all have an underlying issue, and what we're going to get from the Lord today is what those issues are, right? Because the kings actually had a lot more evils, right? And Jeremiah is in a tough spot preaching to these people. But the Lord wants us to see two things that we can glean from Israel that as believers we, we can do and we don't have to do to forsake the Lord. And that's what's exciting for me, guys, is that this the Old Testament is a gateway for us to understand how we can apply principles in our lives. Right? And so let's get into it. So the first thing here is they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. All right, forsaken. That's a, that's a big word, right? It really means just leave behind. It means... To drop it's a choice it's a deliberate choice to let something go. You see this in um, a parallel passage, Judges two twelve through thirteen. It says, "And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asheroth. See, the Israelite people are being blamed for leaving God. This is a huge condemnation, right? They forsook the fountains of living water, right? And so the biggest question I have off the gate is, what, what is this living water? <laughs> you know, why does God—he he didn't just say, you forsaken me, God. He says, you've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And the, you, you guys know this already, but the cool thing about the Bible is it's very deliberate with its words, Right? So living water means something in the Bible, and we're going to walk through what the living waters is to see the gravity of the sins of Israel. Sound good? All right, let's get started. So if we go to John 4, verse 9. Thank you, AV team. That's another one. There it is. Thank you, guys. So let's read the story. In John 4, it says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which is... Which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who is that saith to thee, Give me to drink? Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou the living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well? And drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water spring up into everlasting life. Wow. Uh, that's a powerful passage, right? We have an account here of a woman coming to a well to meet her physical needs. The girl's just thirsty. It's hot, right? Jesus is also hanging out there because he's, he's tired, right? And so she's coming here to meet her physical needs. And when you see Jesus approach her, he doesn't try to help out this physical need by saying, hey, tilt your water pot just a little bit. You know, you get more at the bottom if you do a 45-degree angle, right? He doesn't do that. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, uh, give her cues or clues on how to help her get this physical water, but what he addresses is a spiritual need, Right? And so you see here that there's a relationship between living water and eternal life. You guys catch that in the last verse? There's this, the well that springs forth unto everlasting life. Right? There's a, there's a relationship here, and he's trying to show her that he is that living water. Right? And man, this, this, this is my testimony. You know, I, I didn't know the fountain of living water, right? I didn't know what this meant in my life. You know, at the age of 16, um, I grew up in a Catholic home, in a loving home my, my mom. She's right there. Everyone, Lena? Look a Come on, guys. It's my, it's my mom. Woo! It's my mom. Show some respect. Respect to my name. It's a bri- Y'all took too long. Sorry, ma. Um, but, man, my, my family's hardworking. They're grinders, right? I started at Sa- Burger King at the age of 15. Um, man. It was cool stuff. I grinded my way through, through high school. Um, but, you know, when I, I was confronted with this God thing, I didn't realize I couldn't get to him by works. That was really hard for me. It's like everything else, I get to it by working. How could you not get to God by works? That's silly, right? Silly, I didn't say that. Stupid, something like that. But I remember, I remember I, you know, as I grew up, I, I saw a lot of brokenness in my own heart, in my own life. You guys can relate to that. You, you know something's wrong but you don't really know what's wrong. You can't even figure it out, right? And I would turn to all these things to fulfill my needs. You know, for, for me, it, it was illegal activities. It, I did things like that to be able to have control over my life. You know, and, and the things I did to try to find fulfillment in my own heart, right? I was, trying to, I was like the woman coming to, to this place for water. I was trying to figure it out. But the more I went to these places for waters, for, for, for those quick fixes, the more problems I found myself in right? The more things I did that I never thought I would. Things just opened up. It's like, okay, here's my solution. But hey, by the way, it has 10 problems to it. And man, it led me to a place of like, okay, what is this gospel thing, right? I was introduced to church. I I heard this thing about the gospel. Like, what is this message of salvation? And that message pricked my heart. I remember thinking about my sins. Like, I never characterized the the wrongdoings of my life as sin. Like, who who uses that word? (laughs) You know, like, sin, that's a weird word. Um, But, man, I I recognize these shortcomings, and I was like, maybe there is something to this thing about about eternal life, about salvation, about God forgiving my sins. And this is where the woman was at, right? She came to this place for water, and she left her water pot with living water, right? And so for me, man, for me, I met the fountain of living waters when I surrendered my life, when I decided finally, man, I I can't figure it out. It was the night after Bible study. I just went home and said, will you save me? That's, That's it. It was huge. And this is how the Bible says it. It says in Romans 5, 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet, per adventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But here it is. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's huge, right? And um, that's our first key point. Living water only comes by the gospel. And we'll get to the, you guys are like, you haven't even defined it. How do I know? I'll get there. Just give me a second, okay? But, you know, you might be questioning that. You might be saying, okay, I see living waters. I see the word uh, eternal life, right? Everlasting life. But I still don't get the connection. Well, let's go to John 7 to show that. It's in, in verse 37, in the last day, The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, when they believed on him, should receive. For the Holy Ghost is not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. See, Jesus is making an appeal to people with a hard heart. From the beginning of this chapter in John 7, his own brethren rejected him, flesh and blood. And towards the end of the chapter, the religious people are rejecting him. Like, Oh my gosh, he's speaking to a hard people. And he says, if any man thirsts, right? If anyone sees her need, come on to me. You've tried it all, right? And, and what does he promise? He promises them living water. You guys catch that? Living water. And, and the Bible doesn't leave you guessing, right? The sweet thing is, is at the end of that it says, but this spake he of the spirit. The spirit is the living water. Wow. Guys, that's something to consider today. And I wanna ask you guys a personal question. I don't wanna get in your business, right? But with a crowd this big, there's some of you that don't know or are unsure if you have the living water, right? If you if you actually thirsted, right? When he says, you know, those who thirst come unto me, that part of thirst is recognizing that there's a need in your life. It's Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you recognize that today? You might be struggling with it, that's okay. But do you recognize there's something wrong in life that you might not be able to fix? That's Romans 3.23, for all have come short of the glory of God. We gotta consider that today. If you if you if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, if you never put your faith and trust in Him, you're, you're there, right? You're come short of it, the glory. Man, and, and the cool thing is, the second part of this appeal, He appeals for you just to come to Him, right? Repent of your sins, agree with Him that there is this lack in your life. And that because of this lack, He, he sent His only Son to die for our sins, to be the propitiation of our sins. A holy son, man, that's awesome. That's, that's a good news today. That's a gospel. And, and that's cool because in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says this. This is how simple he makes it for us. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Whew. Man. So this is, this is and then, sorry, verse 10. Forgot the slide. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. This is the living water. This is the living water. This is your call to action, right? It's so, it's so good to characterize and to understand who the Lord is, right? He doesn't say, I'm your condemner, you're forsaking your, your judge. Even though he is that, he paints himself as the living water, the only supply for your spiritual need. So I'm just, I'm just asking you, at the end of the service, consider this. Are Are you saved? Do you even know what that means? Are you born again? Whoever brought you today, I just, I challenge you, take a little step of faith and ask them, hey, can we talk about this? Can can we just exchange thoughts about the living water, right? Because this is a big deal to the Lord because that's what he says these people have forsaken, right? So let's get that right at the end of the message. Now, the other thing is as believers, it's still possible to forsake the Lord, right? The, The Israelites were the children of Israel, I'm not talking about forsaking the Lord and losing your salvation. I'm talking about forsaking the Lord in a practical way, right? Walking away from him. And man, we've seen this. We've seen people, I mean, Pastor Mata said it, people come and go, you know? People come and go. I love that guy. It's like double Carmel Day today. I don't know. It's, it's good. It's good, man. Um, yeah. But man, we've seen people full of faith and they've walked away. We, we've, seen, we've seen people who said, I'm going to do this, and then they they didn't, and they're not here anymore, right? And this is not to shame those people, but this is to learn from Israel to understand how can we protect ourselves from that, right? Maybe you're on the French. Maybe you're thinking these thoughts. We gotta ask what the word says about forsaking the Lord. So let's read the passage. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. So we got to look at Israel, right? We got to look at some context here. That's virtual Bible study, right? Chaney, what is it? Don't mess it up. Context. Yeah, he said context. I promise he said context. <sighs> Whose Bible study leader said? Okay. Jeremiah 2:1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem saying, thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth." the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquities have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me? And have walked after vanity and are become vain. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of desert and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. Man, you guys see in the beginning of the passage, Israelness, Israel was called holiness unto the Lord. They were in a good spot, man. They were blessed. That's cool. That's cool to be blessed by God, Right? They were in a really, really good spot. But then towards the end of it, something happened. You guys see in verse 5, the, that word that says, "um," and they, are gar- and they are gone far from me. Man, that's mentioned in Psalm 103, 12, to describe the east to the west. <clears throat> to describe how, how far God imputes uh, sin away from his people. Like, man, that's how far Israel was to the Lord in this time. As far as the east is to the west, is how far Israel is from the Lord right now. Oh, man, and that's a and that's dangerous place to be, right? And so what happened? Well, we learned from this section at the end of, in verse 6, right, that they've forgotten the Lord. No one's asking, where is the Lord? <laughs> they've forgotten about him, right? It's like, Malaya knows this about me. I forget everything, right? And I'm never like, where's my keys? You know, it's because I forgot my keys, <laughs> right? And, and so what you see here is they forgot who the Lord was and what the Lord's done, they forgot who the Lord was and what the Lord's done. What he done. He let them out of Egypt. Do you see that verse? He let them through the wilderness. He let them through a land of desert and of pits. He let them through a land of drought. He let them out of the shadow of death. Wow. He's done so much. Man, he's done so much. Believer, have we left that place? Have we left that first love? See, and I, I want to clear up the muckiness because sometimes we think this only happens to, to a few, right? Man, this, hap- this has happened to me in Jesus of my life of forsaking the Lord. This has happened to every leader here. I could tell you that. Every leader at some level has had doubts, has had those second thoughts about what we're doing here. Man, we gotta recognize that, but a better thing to recognize is the solution to that, right? Because God gives us a solution to this, right? It might be hardships. Maybe your family's going through something, right? Maybe ministry's hard, I have to do LBI. I have to I, I have to I have to go disciple somebody. It sounds so weird. I, I have to I have to go to Bible study. Man, that's that's a place we can get to, right? And that's a place we're most susceptible to forsake the Lord. Because forsaking the Lord is forgetting who he is and what he's done. That's it. Right? And so it might be something, you know, in my heart I, I used to think I'd never do that. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's not true. But it's something that i got to continually remind myself of is not to forget what he's done in my life, right? So let's look, at, let's look at what happens, though, because forsaking the Lord never stops there, right? It's never just leaving. It's leaving and cleaving. You guys catch that? It's never just, oh, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> because that break, you're going to use your time somewhere else, right? It's leaving and cleaving. And we'll see this because ultimately, if we do forget what he's done in our lives, it's going to lead to idols. If we forget who he is in our life, it's only going to lead to idolatry. And you're like, you're making this up. I'm not. I'm not. Look at Exodus 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as is Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not What is become of him? And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in the ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel." which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Wow. Crazy passage, man. Because in the previous chapter, Exodus 32, you know what Moses was doing? He was talking to God about rest. <laughs> he was talking to God about, he was having quiet time with the Lord in the mountain. And then these people over here, right, the rest of the people are like, well, we need, we need something to worship, man. We need a God. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy how the parallels in my life, I don't know if you guys are seeing it, But it's crazy to think this, is that they started forgetting who he was and it ultimately led them to make something else. You catch the end of that verse? It says what? These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. That's crap. That's not true. Those weren't the gods that let them out of Egypt. Jehovah was their God that let them out of Egypt. But man, idols, idols, they confuse you. They confuse you. It makes you think. Something else helped you besides God. So remember, forsaking God, key point two, forsaking begins with forgetting the Lord and ends with idolatry. Forsaking begins with forgetting the Lord and ends with idolatry. No one ever wakes up and says, I'm done. You know, I'm done with the Savior who has my eternal life. No one says that. You know, I quit. No one starts here. The the devil's too smart, too subtle for that, right? He gives you just a little bit better of an idol, a little bit better thing that that you that you have, that you want. Um, And and we gotta we gotta really be careful with this, guys, because if our worship gets put on something else, and I'll define what an idol is. I realize I'm doing this backwards. It's okay. Um, But if our worship goes to anything else, it's going to get confusing real quick if we love the Lord or not. And I'm going to show you two examples of where this happens. So Psalm 115, 4, it says this, Their idols are silver and gold, the works of man's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through uh, their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. Man, it's a powerful passage, but it simply puts forward that an idol can't do anything for you, right? They have a reality. They have the functions. You see the, the little gnomes in the yards. They, they have noses. They have ears, right? But they can't do anything with that. They're senseless. And, and the warning here is that if we put our trust in idols in something else besides the Lord will become senseless. man. That's a hard place, right? Let's go to Isaiah 44 because this it gets even deeper. This man is confused. Verse 14, he, hewed, he hewed, heweth him down cedars and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it and bakeeth bread. Yea. He maketh a God and worshipeth it. He maketh a graven image and falleth down there too. He burneth part thereof in the fire. With part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth roast and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and saith, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a God. Even his graven image, he falleth down unto it and worshipeth it and prayeth unto it and saith, Deliver me. For thou art my God. They have not known nor understood. For he has shut their eyes that they cannot see, in their hearts that they cannot understand. And none consider that in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding, to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stalk of a tree? He feedeth on ash, and a deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Wow, this is a crazy story, right? Because this man, he's, he just he's in the forest. I don't know what he's doing, but he sees cedars, he sees ashes, and and he takes these trees down. He cuts them down, and he's like, I'm gonna make a little fire. I'm gonna warm myself, right? Right. He puts a little uh, roast on it, a little rosemary, a little chimichanga. You know, have you seen the reel? What, chupacanga? No, never mind. Cross that one out for next time. Boy, oh, I messed up. No, but really, this man, this man somehow starts making a fire, and he falls down to the stalk of a tree. Like, what happened? Well, what happened spiritually is that he put his devotion on something else. What happened spiritually is that this, the thing that satisfied him in the moment, became his worship, the center of his worship, and believers, we got to ask ourselves how we've been blinded, right? Is there anything in front of you that's taking devotion from the Lord? Is there any little thing that it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God? Anything. We've got to ask ourselves this genuinely so we can know what to do with them, right? Simply say it is anything else taking your devotion? Paul Chapel says it this way, the greatest threat... To being established in grace is a real and constant danger of idolatry. Idolatry is a dedication of our love, affection, and allegiance to any person, object, pursuit, or pleasure in place of, apart from, or above our love and loyalty to God. Man, that's something else, right? Idolatry is anything that gets in the way of the love of the Lord and your loyalty to Him. Man, so this is, this is really heady sometimes, but it can get really practical, right? This, these things can be brought down as simple as you sending a message to your friend and saying, hey, how are you, how's your devotion this week, right? This, this can be as simple as checking in on your day. What did I start my day with? What, did, what am I ending it with, right? Where are my thoughts going? That's a big one, right? It's really practical to see that there's things that can take... Um, away our, our worship and our focus. And I love what pa- Paul Chapel says. It says that it's a continual thing, right? You don't grow out of this. <laughs> you don't grow out of idols, right? But instead, you cast them down. So let's go to key point three. Always cast down idols. So we learned the found living waters, right? Who he is, how good he is. We learned how idols can creep up and they can deceive us. And the third thing is How do we deal with them? Well, key point three is always cast down idols. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So in these two verses, there's two things that are described that need to be pulled down and cast down. You guys catch those? It's strongholds and imaginations. Those two things are the things that are called to pull down and cast down. So those two things, we gotta gotta check the roots where these things come from, right? The first one, let's look at imaginations. Number one, idols stem from the imagination of thoughts. Idols stem from imagination of thoughts. First Chronicle 28 9 says, And thou Solomon, my son, know that thou Know thou the God of thy Father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. You see, the mind runs its full course, either you want to or not. I don't know if you guys are in the same boat. The mind just runs. It runs with ideas, right? It runs with thoughts, right? And what what the passage in 1 Chronicle 28, 9 says is that the Lord searches all those thoughts, right? Just because we don't take our thoughts to the Lord doesn't mean he doesn't know them, right? But he's so good because he doesn't condemn those thoughts. He, he asks you instead to bring those into captivity, to bring those up to him, right? Because I have thoughts that should be judged. I have thoughts that are condemning, that if the Lord, you know, if I, if I don't bring to the Lord, it's just gonna bring me shame. And so I wanna be sure with these thoughts to bring it to the Lord because that's what he asked from us, right? In that verse it says, casting down imaginations and what bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, right? So that's the first place idols stem from is our minds. And so it's something that we always gotta be in check. What are we thinking on, right? What is that thing that always pops back in, right? We, we gotta be in check of these things because we, we must cast them down. The second thing, oh yeah, and then Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, right? Because another place that thoughts come up for me is from my heart. Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So you see, you got to recognize your heart can lie to you, right? It's deceitful above all things. And the only person that's deceiving is ourselves. No one else. The heart only deceives ourselves. And so that's why the Lord is so pressing on us to bring those thoughts in our hearts to him, right? Because everything has to go through a filter, through the mesh of the word of God. And that's how we, yeah, that's how we stay away from idols. The second thing is idols stem from previous strongholds in our lives. See, a stronghold, it's literally what it sounds like, the stronghold, right? It's, um, in the Bible, it gets translated uh, into fortress, uh, defense cities which is interesting, right? Um, and a stronghold, really practically, is something that has power over the individual that seems unbreakable, right? Something that you might carry from, from a past life or something that you've always dealt with. That's a stronghold, right? And that's why it says that he's mighty through the pulling down of strongholds, right? And, and these strongholds are something that we have to trust God to lead those thoughts into captivity. See, Romans 7.23 shares the struggle, it says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See, we want to be doing this because if we don't captivate our hearts and thoughts to the Lord, they're going to take us captive. It's, it's, not a, it's not a, you can just you know, let that happen, nothing happens in return. It's, it's a battle, it's a tug of war. Right? If we don't captivate our hearts and bring them to the obedience of Jesus Christ, they will take us captive, right? In context of Jeremiah 2, what happens to the children of Israel? They're taken captive for their evils. And that's what can happen to us if we don't take our thoughts captive. They will take us captive. You guys hearing me? Man, and man, my brother Kanye, he says it this way. Who's the real boss when your boss makes a salary? Don't listen to a song. But, <laughs> and I don't really know what that means, Brandon. You got to educate. I, uh, but I think what it means is that if there's something above you, if there's something you're continually feeding, then who's in control? If there's something you always give your attention to, are, you think you're in control of that or that thing's in control of you? I don't know, guys. That's something to check. Kanye has it. Who's a real boss when your boss makes a salary? Man, full of spirit. So, so, man, and the amazing thing about this, guys, is that it's not condemning, you know? When we look about the passage of casting down idols, there's so much freedom in that. I don't know about you guys, there's so much freedom in giving your thoughts to the Lord, right? And so that's why this is a command, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith, wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, this verse is concluding a conversation about the flesh and the spirit, about the bond woman and the free woman, right? And so what he's saying is that it's a command, stand fast, brothers, sisters, stand fast, right? We got, I don't, take a stand, stand fast, right? And this is how we, and this is is something we got to always bring to the Lord because it, it, man, it's so much easier to walk in the flesh and the spirit, right? But one thing we got to remind ourselves of, and I just want to make this clearly, that our lives prior to knowing Jesus are not better than our lives now. Stand fast. Our lives in in disobedience are not better than our lives in obedience. Stand fast. Our lives in the flesh are not better than our lives in the spirit. Stand fast. Man, we know what the heart says. It's covetous. Above all things, it's covetous. It's idolatrous. And that's why he says, give it to me. I'll take care of it. Man, so good. Key point three. And this is how we deal with it. The believer must forsake himself to not forsake God. The believer must forsake himself to not forsake God. So as I remind us of the context, right, this is about forsaking the Lord, the fountain of living waters, right? Um, And so we want to understand, okay, there's idols. They can be blinding, right? and they can also take our minds captive, so we gotta take those thoughts captive to the Lord, right? But then how do you have a continual walk with the Lord, right? How do we, how do we not forsake the Lord? And I wanna just say it right here. You can't, not, that's, not, that's out of your control. It's God's grace, ultimately, right? But the principle about this is that if we continually forsake ourselves, we'll make sure he's in the center, right? I used to think I loved God really well, guys. I really did, I really did. I'm proudful, proudful, prideful. I'm proud, um, but I used to think the more you do for the Lord, the better you are with him, right? If you, or if you obey him really well, man, you're really well off with him. That's just how my mind thinks, right? But man, that's all been shut down because, because of the word, right? And Paul, he says, I die daily, right? And it's shut down because the true fellowship we have with him is Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The reason I don't forsake the Lord, or haven't yet, is because of his grace. It's because ultimately, I'm crucified with Christ. In the present day, today, I am currently crucified with him. right? And when we take stock of this verse into our lives, what we can apply is that we must do this daily. That's why Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. It's not something you just, you're good, I, I get it, I'm crucified with him, all right, cool. We don't, we don't do that, right? Every day we take stock, am I crucified with the Lord today? Am I allowing myself to die and putting him on the throne of my heart? Am I, am I pushing myself aside, all the burdens of the world, all the cares, all the things I carry, am I, man, die, and then putting him on the throne? Because there can only be one, guys. There can only be one on the throne, right? And so believers, we just, we just want to check this thing, right? Is he coming first in our lives? Is that something you can truly say in your heart? And it's okay. If you can't, that's okay. There's repentance, right? But we got to check. You got to, you know, um, for me, I call him Jim, okay? You might be like, who's Jim? It's a guy in my head. His name is Jim. And recently, Jim, Jim's my new friend, Jim Jim came in when we bought a house, and, and man, somehow when you get something, it just takes all your devotion, you know, it's like the, some, the thing that you get, you're like, oh yeah, that thing, I had no other responsibilities, hardwood floors, you know, paint the house, oh yeah, you guys are shaking your head, you do the same thing, paint the house, gotta do the roof next week, and my mind, boy, it starts, run- Jim, Jim talks a lot, Jim talks a lot to me, and and I give him a lot of my, Eric, I'm sorry, I know it's weird. It's an illustration. But I, <laughs> I swear I'm not, I'm not weird, guys. Uh, but I give Jim a lot of my devotion. I give my thoughts a lot to the things that I have, right? And that's something that's been realized in my life recently is I got to make sure that those things are in check, right? That my quiet time isn't hindered, right? That my thoughts are about the Lord, that I go about my work day thinking about him, Right, so we just gotta keep those things in check. We gotta keep Jim in check, right? I still love the Jimmy Changa. Yeah, a little Jimmy Chonga. See, Jimmy Chonga. Sorry. <laughs> oh man, man. And this is the thing about being a disciple of Christ, right? Because the Bible does say, and this is something to consider for ourselves, that if we don't forsake ourselves, we're not truly disciples. Luke fourteen thirty three says, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. Do you guys hear that? If, you don't, if we don't forsake all that we have, we cannot follow him. The journey's too long. That thing that you're carrying in your heart and your hands, that thing, it's too long. At some point, it will get heavy. It's gonna get too heavy to carry. That, that struggle, that thing, that resistance, that, that stronghold, if it's not cast down, at some point, you're gonna turn around. Right? There's only two options, right? We can only serve... One of two masters. Or, or we love one and hate the other. Right? And that's what I'm saying. I'm just practically bringing up. we got to check that. It's the thing that you're, you're having. Is it weighing on you? Let it go. Let it go and start following the Lord. Because if we don't let it go, you're going to turn around with that thing. You're going to turn around with your toys. And you won't come back. Man, and there's always there's always time. There's always a good time to repent. But, but just make sure, guys... Make sure what's in your hands. Make sure what's in your hearts. And, and please, I'm just beseeching you, check that and drop that, all right? That way, we can be disciples. We can follow him, right? All right, let's keep going. I almost said sorry for talking so much, but I guess that's why I'm up here. <laughs> Thank you guys for your attention. Jeremiah um, Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here we have words we, I don't understand, right? To hew something out in a cistern, right? To hew something out is the action of cutting something away. It's, it's masonry, right? It's carpentry. It's to take something and make it something else. That's what hewing is, right? And so what they're doing here is they're hewing out cisterns, not sister cisterns. I got to check that, cisterns. And these cisterns are places to collect water. That's all it is, right? Israel's a dry place. I just looked it up, I don't know. But it's a dry place. And that dry place sometimes doesn't get rain, so these guys would build pits, wells, to collect water for when it gets dry, right? So that's a, that's a weird thing to bring up at this point, right? I'm like, God, like, not forsaking is big enough, so why cisterns? Why, why is that part of the judgment? Well, it's part of the judgment for the comparison between the two, Right? He gave them a fountain of living waters. And they're hewing out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water? That's a judgment, right? It's that they had everything they needed. And they're over here messing around with some dirt. Man, that's, that's crazy. For more context, we look at Jeremiah 2.18. It says this, And now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt to drink the waters of Sihor? Or what hast thou to do in the ways of Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Israel, what are you doing, man? Why are you going to Sihor to get water? You know, Sihor, that word in the Bible means dark. They were going to a dark place for provision. They were going to Sihor. Jeremiah, and, and this is the crazy thing, is that they're just blinded. They're, they're, they're confused, right? When you have Chipotle versus McDonald's, right? You don't want to... Do half chicken, half steak. Pay the little extra, right? But it's, it's substance, right? Compared to the crap food you all eat. It's all right. Let's just talk about it. No? No? Okay. Let's just talk. I, I eat McDonald's all the time. But man, this is the thing. Is the issue here, it's not the, the, the cistern. It's a fact that they're confused. They're really confused. Jeremiah 4.22 says, "'For my people is foolish. "'They have not known me. "'They are sottish children.'" They have none understanding. They are wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. See, Israel's being blamed because they're so good at doing so bad. They make cisterns in their wisdom, right? They make cisterns with their hands, with their masteries. They're they're masters at this, right? They're building cisterns for Nebraska Cistern Mart, right? But it's a counterfeit. You guys see that? It's a counterfeit. It's not the fountain of living waters, And man, isn't this true for our lives? Often it's easy to go for the counterfeit. Often it's easy to go for the simpler thing, to to quit halfway, you know? It's easy to go for the thing that gets you immediate provision, not lasting. That's the issue, right? It's foolish to go for the thing that's only gonna fill you up this much, right? So key point four, sufficiency is only found in Christ. Let's look at Colossians 2, 8 through 10, and Psalm 16, because we, we, we want to recalibrate on this truth, guys. Colossians 2, 8 through 10, "...beware lest any man spoil you <laughs> through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power." Man, this, this verse explains that in Christ, in Jesus, we're completely full. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the context of this passage is that they were trying to figure out how the law works into all this, right? They're like, oh, can we, should we keep the law just a little bit or is Christ really all that he says he is, right? And this is a parallel to broken cisterns because we don't need to build anything else when we have the fountain of living waters, we don't need to add anything else to Christ in your relationship with him. He is enough, right? And this was the shame of Israel, right? It's when the world sees us, do they see someone who is full of the Spirit, someone who is complete in Christ, or do they see so, another man with another cistern, another man working his, his thing? That's something to take account of, right? And man, do, do they hear thing, TGIF? This is cheesy, but... Or do they, hit the TGIS, thank God I'm saved, I don't know. Like, do they actually see, I know, Brandon, I know. I, I'm thinking hard on these, bro. Um, man, and I'm not saying, guys, we don't have hard times, because hard times come, right? But the thing about hard times is that Christ is sufficient at all times. That's the truth behind it. And man, I, I've realized this, I'm never gonna not be busy. I, if you guys are like wondering, like, hey, am I gonna, Get busier or is there going to be a season of, you know, of, of no, no, there's no frolicking. <laughs> like, that's, that's over with. Like, it's all, your life's always going to be busy. That's just, that's just a matter of fact, right? But the, the cool thing about busyness is that you can trust the Lord. Man, in the easy seasons and the hard seasons, our sufficiency is in Christ. Man. And then let's look at Psalm 1611. It says this, and Harrison quoted it, so thank you, bro. I know, crazy. That will show me the path of life and Thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. See, God is showing us with these two passages that in Christ, there's everything we need, every last thing, and he desires correct fulfillment in our lives. But did you guys catch what the verse says? in his presence is fullness of joy nowhere else in his presence right and that's why the judgments over the broken cisterns because anything else is just going to leave your hands muddy and man i don't want to get to the judgment seat of christ for my service to the lord and be like look at the look at my hands i worked i worked lord look at the mud i, I was making cisterns i tried wasn't that good enough? No. That's not what God's going to say, man. Like, he's going to look at our service and see if it was in the Lord. If, he, if we really believed the sufficiency of Christ in our lives. And so that, that's a call to action for some of us, right? It's, yeah, stop, clean, clean your hands, right? Clean your hands and put your service, put your trust back in the Lord, in the fountain of living waters, right? But guys, we know the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. It's not, the flesh is the flesh, right? It's not pretty. Because um, sometimes the flesh does scream out, right? It says, no, no, right? There's got to be something better, my gut's telling me. Outside of these walls, outside of his spirit, man, there's, there's got to be something better. Doesn't that flesh say that to you sometimes? No, no, the flesh screams. That church thing, it can only take up a convenient part of my life, right? I know it's a great commission, But right now, I'm I'm in a stage of life where I can only take the convenient part of my life. No, no, the flesh screams. I see the word of God, but I want to step aside. I I see what he's saying to me. I can feel the conviction, but I am going want to choose to to just, for this season, put it aside. Man, we got to talk to Mr. Flesh, right? Because that dude's rude. We got to talk to Mr. Flesh. So Mr. Flesh, here are some verses, Right? You might be saying, there's something better for me outside of this Christ thing. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The flesh might be saying, hey, hey, I just, it's only when it's easy and I'll follow him. Colossians 3, 3 through 4. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. He's our whole life, the totality of it. Mr. Flesh. I, I, you, you didn't look far enough, man. Right? Look at the word Psalm one nineteen one thirty. The entrance of thy words giveth light. Don't run from it. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So, brothers and sisters, let, let's lay down our chisels and shovels. Right? We know from these verses that in Christ is everything. I don't know how else to say it. It's everything. Right? He is our hope. He is our sustainer. He is our provisioner. And man, if, if we really look at these promises and stick with them, well, we won't forsake them. We can trust them with these promises, guys. There's, it's only the best thing to follow Christ. Elizabeth Elliot describes this fork in the road for us. She says, I know there's some fans out here, that's why I brought her up. Some clout. She says, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how she sounded, but when obedience to God contradicts what I think will give me pleasure, let me ask myself if I love him. When obedience to God contradicts what I think will give me pleasure, let me ask myself if I love him. So do we love him? That's something we just got to ask, right? See, the title of this message is "Love God above all else." <laughs> I don't even talk about love that much. Um, but man, it's, it's because he is love, right? It's because first John 4:19, it says, "We love him because He first loved us." Right, That's what this message is about. It's not about doing something else, not about doing something better. It's deciding, right? It's like the children of Israel. It's that they had the warning of Jeremiah to not forsake the Lord, the of living waters, and to do their own thing. And this is a warning to us, guys. This is a warning to me, right? That, that we must follow him, that we must love him because we know of his love for us. Man, and the, the coolest thing about the passage in Jeremiah um, is that, God's not done with Israel. He is coming back and they will be in his kingdom. Look what it says at the end of Isaiah, which is also taken to captivity. It says, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. He's good, he hasn't forgotten you. Wherever you're at today, um, can the worship team come back up or Harrison? Thank you. I, w- I want to close with this. Um, the instruction to Jeremiah was to warn his people about the forsaking of the Lord, right? And I'm not coming in here, guys, saying you've done wrong or you're doing wrong. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But what I want to give us today, if everyone can close their eyes real quick, I want to recap what I want to give us today is a step forward in faith. Because there's some of you that came into this room not knowing if you're saved. Do you guys remember the living waters? you guys remember what we talked about? That he spake of the Spirit? So if you don't know if you're saved, I'm asking you, take that step of faith after this sermon. Talk to that person. Man, there might be some of you that, that, that are wrestling with idols in your life. Maybe you've been deceived. Maybe you think you're doing the right things, but it's a wrong heart. And I'm just, I'm asking you all to, to take that to the Lord, to, to captivate those thoughts, to captivate those emotions, and take it to the Word. Man, we, we talked about forsaking ourselves. Maybe some of, some of us have been living after our, ourselves, right? Taking the time and doing everything but spending time with the Lord, doing everything but following Him. I'm just asking you guys to to cast that to somebody else, right? To pray with somebody, saying, This is where I'm at. I need accountability. I need help. And then the last one is we talked about the sufficiency, which is only in Christ. We talked about how anything outside of Christ is a broken cistern, right? And the picture is that the Holy Ghost is the living waters. So some of you, some of y'all might be struggling with that, with finding sufficiency that's only in Christ. You might be doing your thing, you know, you get in the Word and it's a, it's, a, it's a hard read, you don't, you're not getting anything from the Lord, well, I'm, just, I'm asking you today, come up to the front, come up to the counselors, talk to them about that. Talk to them how the, their, your sufficiency might not all be in Christ right now. It might be somewhere else. So as we stand and worship, there'll be counselors up in the front and the back, and let's just get things right with the Lord. It's, it's good to follow the Lord. Amen? All right, guys. Thank you. that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.